Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. It's now 2021. And uh, what are we, 11 days? 10 days? How, How many days are we into this thing? A week and a half. And things haven't got any better. <laughs> That's right. And uh, COVID didn't magically disappear. And the political scene didn't get better. In fact, it got worse. You know, Ecclesiastes says that God gives us times and seasons. And though the year changed, apparently the season didn't. And uh, I think it's important that we lean in today because things may get worse. And as they get worse, we can't fall into the trap of aligning with a party or an ideology. It's, it's time that we align with the kingdom. And so as this season continues to go on, I think it's real imperative that we lean in to what God is saying. God's going to be speaking. He spoke through Pastor Eugene already. God's speaking. In dry times, God speaks. In fact, the word desert means to speak. And so uh, I just want to encourage you today, as things get dark, that we tune out the noise, that we turn off the TV, and that we listen to what God is saying. So can you lean in today? Can you just lean in a little bit, a little bit more than you normally do? If you have your Bibles today, uh, we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings. If you have your Bibles, your device, you can look on the screen. All of my notes will be on there. And uh, I think God wants to speak to us. So if you, if you have it, say, I got it. All right. It says this. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. That sounds like a good old Cajun woman right there, doesn't it? Come on, baby. You got to eat something. I got some boudin in the fridge. So it was as often as he passed by, everybody say passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So he knew where some good cooking was. He would stop by when the, the pot was on and he would eat. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes, he can turn in there. Verse 8, I just want to read it to you one more time. Verse 8 says, so it was as often as he pass by. I just want to speak a message to you this morning simply entitled, Don't Pass Us By. Don't pass us by. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. And God, that's our prayer today. God, as we're in this sin-soaked world, God, as there's chaos all around us, as there's opinions and ideas and ideologies, as there's division, God, we don't need you to pass us by. God, we need 
you to come and be with us. God, we need your presence. We need your Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to drive by encounter. We don't want, God, just a sneak peek. But God, we want to inhabit your presence. God, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, come and inhabit us today. Be with us today, God. Send revival to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 2 Kings chapter 4 tells us that there is this, this couple. Uh, it says that they're notable. Uh, the King James Version says that they're well-to-do. They, they probably have a lot of stuff, but they, they realize that there's something that they don't have that, that they, they want. They lived in a, a very small village called Shunem. Uh, Shunem was in the northern territory, the northern kingdom of Israel. It was in the Jezreel Valley. Uh, there was, really wasn't a whole lot happening in Shunem. Shunem wasn't a, a stopping point. It, it wasn't a metropolis. You would not go to Shunem for vacation. You, you wouldn't send a postcard from Shunem. It was a small uh, farming village. There wasn't much to be done there. But the Bible does tell us in 2 Kings that this village was often visited by a prophet. The prophet's name was, was Elisha. As Elisha would walk through this village, this couple took note of him. The woman said, I need to feed this man. He is a, he's a man of God. He probably doesn't have a whole lot of money. He was a nonprofit prophet. He needed a place to eat, so she would invite him. It was a good, hospitable southern family. Now, we don't ever really see that Elisha had a purpose to be in Shunem. Shunem was never really a destination. He wasn't going specifically to Shunem. Shunem was probably a place where he would stop for the night. If he was leaving Jericho or Bethel, heading up to Naphtali, Shunem would be a stopping point, a midway point. It was kind of like a TA truck stop. It was just a place where he would go get some food in his belly, take a few hours to stop, and then he would continue on his journey. Second Kings tells us that he would pass by Shunem. He would pass through. It was his stopping point. If you go back to our text, it tells us that he would do this quite often. It says in verse 9, it says, as she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man who passes us by regularly. The, the indication was that he was there a lot. He became very familiar to these people. They would see him coming through the village and he passed so by so often that he becomes a regular to these villagers and this couple takes note of him. And so there's this woman and her husband and they take note of the prophet. So there's a woman and a husband and a prophet named Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Now Elisha in the Old Testament is a representation of Christ. He's a representation of the spirit of God. He's a representation of the power of God. As you read further into 2 Kings, you're gonna specifically get into chapter eight, you're gonna see that the power of God is used mightily. Elisha is a representation of the power and the presence of God and we see him passing by, passing by. I want you to see that this posture of passing by that we see in Elisha is consistent with the nature of God. 
In the gospels alone, the term passing by is used in conjunction with Christ 18 times. We see Jesus 18 different times passing by people, passing through areas, people that, that needed a touch. Sometimes there were people that needed him and it says he passed by them to get to another place. He was, uh, somebody in a specific city needed Jesus, but he passed through that city. Uh, he was passing by when it was uh, the woman with the issue of blood touched him. In, in Luke at, chapter 18, notice the pattern, blind Bartimaeus uh, was told by someone, if he says, they told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Again, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says that Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. In Mark chapter 6, verse 48, it's talking about the disciples in the boat and they're toiling and they're struggling at the oars and, and they're rowing and, they're, and, and the wind was contrary. And it says of Jesus that he comes walking uh, on the sea. And listen to these words, they're very mind-boggling. It says, they, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was great against them. And it says, shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. And it says he was about to pass by them. So in Luke chapter 18, he's passing by. In Luke 19, he's passing through. Mark chapter 6, he's about to pass them by. And in 2 Kings, it speaks of Elisha. It says he was passing by on a regular basis. I want you to get this picture in your mind that there is a pattern that suggests that some people will only see the spirit of God in passing form. That we, sometimes we only get a sneak peek. We, we only get a glimpse of who God actually is. That there's only, sometimes there's only moments where we see God in his fullness. There's, there's only moments when we see the, the, the power of the presence of God. That he's, sometimes it seems like he's here today and gone tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but in 2021, I don't want a glimpse of God's power. I don't want a glimpse of God's presence. I don't want to sneak peek anymore. I don't want God to play peekaboo with us in 2021. In 2021, I don't want just a visitation from the Holy Spirit. I want a habitation where God comes and lives with us. I want his presence to dwell in my life and in my marriage and with my kids. I want God to stay. And it seems like sometimes we get so busy in life that we invite God to be our guest. And to show up on a Sunday morning and we give them an hour and 15 minutes of our time and we're just expecting that as, we, as the music plays and Vic hits the first note and RJ sings and Pastor Eugene preaches that all of a sudden here comes God like a parade. And he's here for an hour, then he goes. And I think we've become satisfied with him just passing by. I don't want to be satisfied with God just passing by. Here he is on his way to the next town, the next people that need him. How do we get him to stay? How, how, how do we get him to, to stay, not in a church, but in our lives? How, how, how do we get him to stay in our marriage? How do we get him to stay? How, how do we have, not a visitation, but how do we have a, a habitation? Now, you have to understand, this almost seems contrary to Scripture because God is omnipresent, which means God is everywhere at once. His spirit is everywhere. But have you ever noticed that you can be in the same service and it seems like God is all over one person, yet another person gets absolutely nothing? You ever notice that? 
How can God be there, but only one grabs a hold? Could it be that they learn that when God is passing by, that they grab a hold of him and they go with him? How do we get them to stay? Because he's constantly moving. The spirit of the Lord is constantly moving. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, the second verse, it says this about the spirit of God. It says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It's flowing. It's, it's constant. It's moving. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So if you notice this idea, it's called anthropomorphism, where you put human attributes to God. God doesn't physically have eyes, but it's, it's like God's reaching out, and there's always this movement, and he's searching, he's looking, he's flowing. You, you see that the spirit of God is moving. The spirit of God is not a pull. It's not a pond. It's not stagnant or still. In fact, when the Bible talks about the spirit of the Lord, it always refers to him as a river. The river moves. The river's powerful. It's gushing. It's, it's flowing. That's how God is. And he's looking as he's moving. He's looking for hearts that will make room for him. He, he's looking for someone that says, I want to be a part of that movement. He's looking for the right atmosphere. In our text, this Shunammite woman gets tired of just the passing through prophets. So look at her. She tells her husband this. He says, please, you sense the desperation. Please let us make a room for him. She says, let's, let's make an add-on. Let, let's make some room. Let, let's, let's get on Wayfair and, and get some furniture to put in this, this thing. And she says, let's go get a bed. And, and we'll get a table and a chair and a lampstand. Lamp and whenever he comes in, he can turn in here. So, so if, you, if you get this picture, they, they get the contractor. Uh, they get the architect. They, they, they hire the handyman. They go to Lowe's. They, they buy the supplies. And they make the room. And then the very next verse, verse 11, it says this. And it says, and it happened that one day he came there and he turned in and he stayed there. Think about this. Before verse 11, he only passes by. But after they make room, he stays there. What happens when this well-to-do woman makes room? All of a sudden, Shunem, Apollosis, becomes an attractive place for the Spirit of God to stop and stay a while. And all they did was, was make room. Shunem transitions from a village that you would pass through to a village where the Spirit of God says, I got to stop. I, I want the Spirit of God to say the same thing about us. I, I got to stop in St. Landry Parish. I got to stop in Opelousas. I got to stop in Sunset. I got to stop with those good old folks that come to OSC. I got I to stop. And listen to me, we can't make God stop. We, we can ask, we can pray, we can believe, we can fast, we're going to do all those things, but we can't make him stop. I can't say, God, get down here. I can't do it. We can't make him do it. God's not a genie in a bottle. And though I cannot make him stop, listen to me, we cannot make God's presence stop here, but we can make room for him to stay when he does. And I think that's what 2021 is all about. It's, it's about us making room. To make room, you got to get rid of some stuff. 
You got to rearrange. It's spring cleaning time in, in January. We got we to get some stuff out. We got to get the cobwebs out. We got to get the dust out. We got to rearrange. That's what we want. That's what we want for our church. That's what we want for our community. That's what we want for our lives. That, that we be marked as a place where God is. Not where God was. That when people look at Opelousas and people look at St. Landry Parish, when people look at our Savior's church, they say, you know what? I know they don't have it all together. I know they're not the perfect church. I, don't know. I know they don't have the best preachers except for Pastor Eugene. He's pretty awesome. But you know what? This is the place where God is. I can meet God there. So 2 Kings chapter 4, they build the room. If you get to 2 Kings chapter 8, 10 years goes by, he's still coming to visit. He's still there. 10 years later, he is still taking up residence because of one decision to make room. You got to go back to that decision. What happens or what doesn't happen if they don't make this decision? What if they're content with him just passing by. Think about the mindset of this couple when they say, let's make room. Now, you got to realize they had to have some type of space to build this room. I'm thinking that this couple probably had some ideas of what the space could have been. What could we use that extra space for? I mean, we can make it a guest room, maybe a man cave, watch the saints today. Come on, can I get a hoot at? You know, maybe this woman, maybe she was a scrapbooker. I don't know. She could have made a scrapbooking room, uh, arts and crafts. I have no idea. She could have, they could have said, you know, we got this extra space. We've worked very hard. We're well to do. We have retirement. Let's take this money. Let's take this space. Let's take this time and build something that we can enjoy. We deserve it. They could have done that. And I think it would have been okay. I wonder what you and I are planning to build this year that Jesus is saying, I wish you would build something for me instead. I wonder what areas of our life that we're giving time and energy and money and relationship to. What man cave do you have all planned out in your mind? And you're saying, you know what? This space isn't getting used. I'm going to do this. Listen to me. I believe 2021 is all about making room. Can we get practical just for a moment? One of the best ways to make room in your life as we start this new year is prayer and fasting. One of the best things you can do to make room is to, to pray and to fast. Jesus says when you pray, he doesn't say if, he says when you pray and he says when you fast, doesn't say if. It, it's when you pray, when you fast. Nothing makes room in your life spiritually like, like prayer and fasting. I just jotted down some notes because I know people are asking what is fasting? How do I fast? I know we hit some of this last week, but I, I just wanted to give you some thoughts on this and we'll continue in our story in just a second. What is fasting? Let me just first answer that question. Fasting is a biblical discipline that's found in both the Old and New Testaments, okay? So this isn't an Old Covenant thing. It's not just a New Testament thing. This is all throughout Scripture. Fasting is a way of consecrating yourself before the Lord by rejecting things that normally nourish you. So biblically, it's, it's food. It's, it's giving up food. Now, how do we do this? What is it? Because I know many of you are asking questions. How do I fast? What do I fast? How long do I fast? The good news is that, that fasting is something that's really between you and God. 
And whatever rules you set with God, whatever God speaks to you, you just honor that. So this isn't us saying you have to do it this way. This is the only way to do it. I just want to give you uh, some, some reasons why you should. Why should I fast? These are just some thoughts that I had that I wrote down. If you have answered yes to any of these things, you probably should fast. Number one, are you in need of a healing or miracle? Fasting is found all throughout the Bible of people that needed a healing or miracle. Number two, do you need a tender, the tender touch of God in your life? Number three, is there a dream inside of you that only he can make possible? Are you in need of a fresh encounter? Do you desire deeper, more intimate and powerful relationship with the Lord? Are you ready to have a heightened sensitivity to the desires of God? Do you need to break away from bondages that have been holding you back and holding you hostage? Is there a friend or a loved one that needs salvation? Do you desire to know God's will for your life? If your answer is yes to any one of those questions or multiple of those questions, then those are all biblical reasons why people fasted. Okay? So... If we want to be sensitive to what God is saying and doing, this is putting us in a position to crucify our flesh to hear from God. Dozens and dozens of people, we have illustrations fasting through the Bible. Moses fasted 40 days when he went up to get the Ten Commandments. Uh, King David fasted several times. One, in specific, one specifically was when his, his son died. Uh, Elijah fasted when, when uh, escaping uh, Jezebel. Ezra fasted. Darius fasted. Uh, Esther fasted. Daniel fasted. Jesus fasted. Dozens and dozens of counts. In all of these cases, it was men and women who were simply making room for God to do something that they couldn't do themselves. Are you with me? You tracking with me? So corporately, we are believing for God to do some big things in our church and in your lives. So we're going to take 21 days and we're just say, God, we're making room. We're cleaning some stuff out. So how, how do we do this? What types of fast? Obviously, um, fast and consecrating yourself typically involves food. So uh, just, just a couple of things you can do. Number one, you can do a full fast where this is where you just typically do liquids. Uh, this is found all throughout scripture from Moses to Jesus, uh, just doing liquids. Now, if you've never fasted a long time, I would suggest that maybe you want to pray about this before you just jump and say, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not do this. Listen, you want to hear from God on this, okay? Maybe what you need to do is a, is a partial fast. And the, and the way that you do partial fast, uh, Daniel fasted, uh, a partial fast. The Daniel fast is simply uh, negating sweets and meats and it's eating fruits and vegetables and nuts. Um, that's one of the things you can do. Uh, you can give up certain items such as caffeine, soft drinks, different things like that. That's, that. That would be a partial fast. You can do a sun up to sun down fast where you're part of the day. You can, you can I'm gonna do a couple of days. I'm gonna do every other day. What, what I'm saying is we want you to make this personal. We want you to hear from God, ask God what it is that would be a sacrifice to you. Don't compare yourself to someone else. This is between you and the Lord, but you're going to say, God, I want to make some room. Maybe that's a day. Maybe that's a few days. Maybe that's a few hours. I don't know what it is, but we want everybody here to say, I'm going to make some type of room. I'm going to make some type. I'm going to consecrate myself some way because I want God to speak. I want God to move. I don't want him just to pass by. I'm making room. Are you with me? Okay. So that's the food portion. The second thing we're going to do, Pastor Eugene talked about this last week is I believe all of our pastors are going to do this. Most of our staff we're just, you really want to talk about making room in your life in 2021? We're going to do a social media fast. Nobody clap for that. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Thank you, Pastor Eugene. The Barner Research Group said this about church people. 
You want to talk about making room? The average church person in 2020 spent two hours and 48 minutes on social media a day. You want to get some room back? Get off of Facebook, get your face in the book. (laughs) Think about how much our mind is polluted just by getting stuck in a scroll, in a feed. So we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to be on social media. Well, how do we find out what's going on? I'm so glad that you asked. We, we have a text link right now. We're going to put it on the screen. You can text Opelousas to 94000. Do that right now. If you get your phones out, go ahead and text it right now. We're going to give you updates over the next 21 days of things that are going on because there's going to be some incredible things going on that you need to be a part of as we make room. Can I tell you a couple of those things just really quick? We're going to give you all the details via text. So go ahead and text that right now, Opelousas, to 94,000. There you go. So one of the things you're going to get a text about is about morning prayer. We're going to have morning prayer starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're going to have a time of prayer from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. for the next five days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to have a time of worship. We're going to pray for every need in, in, in this place. So if you have a need, when you came in, you got a prayer card. We want you to put your prayer needs on here. And to, starting tomorrow morning, our spiritual family is going to lift up every card that's turned in. We're going to come together. You're going to hear a, a, a word from our pastors. You're going to have a time of worship, and we're going to pray corporately together. This is just us making room. Okay, we're going to do corporately from 6 to 7 every morning. After that, though, from 7 to 7 every day, our building's going to be open. There's going to be worship music going on. We just want, the building's going to be open. If you can't get here at 6, but you can come for your lunch break, come and be a part of that. We want you just to come and make room. Everybody say making room. Great. The other things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be having some nights of worship where you can come in in the next few weeks, and we're going to have like a Wednesday night time of prayer and praise where we just come and we worship together. We're going to make room. Okay, I'll give you all the details. Pastor Eugene will give you some details about this later. We're going to have a citywide prayer rally and walk. We're going to walk around our city and we're going to pray and have a community worship night together. Okay, churches coming together. And we're going to be, here's what we're going to be praying for specifically. We've been, we've been asking God for this. No matter what we pray for, we're going to be praying for our community, unity, and revival. Our community, unity, and revival. Every single day. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing morning prayer? Why are we doing special services? Why are we, ma- why are we doing this? Because we're making room. We, we don't want God just to pass by. We want God to show up, take up residence. By the way, if you read 2 Kings chapter 4, it says because this woman made room. If you, if you read verses 12 through 17, it says that, that this guy, Elisha, stays up at night with, with his servant, Jehazi. And, and he starts scheming of ways that he can bless this couple. Because she made room, he says, there's something I got to do for them. So he devises a plan and he finds out that this woman is barren. She can't have kids. He finds out that a child would be the desire of her heart. And he says, because you have blessed me, I prophesy over you that you're going to have a child. And she says, it ain't no way possible. One year later, she gives birth to a son. Making room, though it will cost you now, will always bless you in the long run. That when you make room, I promise you this, God is scheming in heaven trying to figure out ways that he can bless you in the barren areas of your life. 
the areas where you've given up on. You can even continue reading in chapter 8, it says this boy is now a, a, a lad, he's 10 years old. This is 10 years later. The prophet's still coming. The boy actually dies. The boy that he prophesied would come to life is born. 10 years later, he dies. Elisha walks into the room, stretches his hands out over the boy, breathes life on him, and the, and the boy resurrects. Think about this. Two miracles because they made room. The family gets miracle after miracle because they're willing to make room. All right. In the next closing minutes, I just want to give you a couple key details from the story and see if we can get really practical. Can we do that? All right, let's go back to the text, 2 Kings, and let's accessorize. Can we do that? Come on, tell your neighbors that you've got to accessorize. All right, here we go. Verse 10, please let us make a small upper room. We got that. They built the room. Now you have to accessorize, right? You can't have an empty room. Let us put a bed a table, a chair, and a lampstand. A bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. Sounds about right for a guest quarters, doesn't it? Listen to me. As we make room for God this year, we can't just build the room. We have to put the right furniture in it, okay? We have to fill it with the right stuff. If you want to attract important guests, you can't have an empty room. You have to have the right accessory. So somebody call me Joanna Gaines because I'm going to help you today with some interior decorating, all right? The first thing that we need in our room this year is a chair. Everybody say a chair. You're sitting in one now. Is it comfortable? Good, because you're going to be there for another 40 minutes because I'm just getting started. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. This room would not be complete without a chair. No room is complete without a place to sit. Now, I tried to picture in my mind, if you would, what kind of chair would she put in this room? Did she get on Wayfair? Did she go to rooms to go? What kind of upholstery and fabric was on this chair? I don't know if you've pictured in your mind, is it a small seat? Is it a love seat? Is it a lazy boy? Is it a papasan chair? Is it an oversized chair? I, I don't know. But, but, but in, in the Hebrew, it's very specific about what this chair is. The word chair in the Hebrew is the word kise. And the word kise, it literally means a covered throne. It's, it's a seat. It's a stool. It's a throne. So I want you to understand what the chair represents. The chair represents a throne or a place of authority. The first thing that we need in our life as we make room for God this year, if we want the spirit of God to be in our life, we have to give God the right seat. We have to put God in a place of authority. This is rings true. I remember when I was growing up, y'all, we had a living room just like you had a living room and we had a couch here and then we had a love seat here and then there was this big old lazy boy, brown leather lazy boy right over here in this corner. That was my daddy's chair. How many, how many of your daddy had a chair? And you can sit in that chair anytime you wanted, but if your daddy ever walked in the room, no questions asked, he just looked at you and you got up. How many know what I'm talking about? Why? Because the chair signified a seat of authority. Only the one who was in charge could sit in the chair. 
In, in my house, I don't have a chair in the living room, but I got a chair at the table. You don't sit in my chair. Pastor, you, if you come to my house, you can sit in my chair because I'm under your authority. You're the only one who can sit in my chair. But nobody else, if you come to my house, don't you sit in my chair. I will kick you out. Why? Because it signifies who's in charge. The Shunammite woman gave Elisha a chair demonstrating her dependency was on God and she gave God the seat of authority. Scripture tells us, as Pastor Eugene said, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. The chair is always a place of authority. As we enter 2021, my question is, who has the seat of authority in your life this year? Whose authority are you sitting under? Who's the Lord of your life? When the apostle Paul introduces himself to the letter of Romans, it says this, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That bondservant, uh, doulos, literally means second chair. A slave. He says, I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. I'm a slave to him. I'm submitted to him. We have to give up our chair to Christ this year. Number two, write this down. So she puts a chair. The second piece of furniture that she wants us to see is a table. Everybody say a table. Today, at some point, you're probably going to sit down and eat lunch. You're probably going to eat a lot since we're starting fasting tomorrow. You're going to front load. How many of you, front, how many of you got some, some, some meals planned out for today because you know tomorrow it's on? I hate fast. You know what happens before I fast? I start making this excuse like the week before I fast. Well, I'm fasting next week. I can eat, and I gain like 10 pounds in one week before I fast. And so uh, maybe today you're going to go and eat a meal. You're going to sit at a table. You're going to enjoy a meal. And you're probably going to do it with the people that you love. Have you noticed that one of the best ways to get to know someone is over a meal? Somehow eating, come on, people in South Louisiana, eating breaks down barriers and bonds are formed. We eat as a family, don't we? Don't, don't you eat with the people that you you love? Why? Because it's not just about the meal in South Louisiana. It's about the people you eat it with. So what does a table, a table represent? A table represents a place of feeding, a place of fellowship, and a place of communion. If you think about the Last Supper, it says that the, the disciples were reclined at the table. They were, they were leaning in. It was a, a place of intimacy. It was a place of relationship. So, so how do we feed? How, how, how do we get intimate with God? How do we feed on him? Jesus said it this way. He says, man, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but out every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Another time Jesus would say this. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Listen to me. The best way to commune with God is by the word of God. It's reading your word. It's opening the Bible. And I, don't, I, I love our church, I love coming here, I love worship, but you can come here all you want and you can hear every great message that you want and you can hear all the worship songs that you want, but if you don't open your word and read it and apply it, it does you absolutely no good. Why? Because our destiny is determined by our diet. And if you want to get something good out of this year, our diet has to include the word of God. The word of God is our source of nutrition. It's how we get fed. It's how I grow. It's how I change. Hebrews said it this way, for the word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Check this out. It judges my thoughts 
and the attitudes of my heart. That's what I need in 2021. We have to feed on it. Every once in a while, Rachel and I, we go to my favorite uh, steakhouse in Baton Rouge. We'll, we'll go for, for, for nice nights out or anniversaries or birthdays. It's a couple times a year. But at the beginning of the meal, y'all, they bring this loaf. It's the best loaf of bread I've ever eaten in my life. I mean, it's about, it's about that big. And it's just like, I mean, you could just put your knife in it. It's not like the one you got to saw. You know, you, you, sometimes you go to the restaurants, you got to, this one just kind of put your knife through it and the bread just, it's like it just crumbles and it's like the perfect consistency. And they have these two little like dishes on the side. One is champagne infused butter. I, I'm telling you. Then they do this uh, peppercorn roasted tomato butter. I mean, I will sit there with a spoon and just eat the, it, it's amazing. But you know what happens every time? Because they bring this big old loaf of bread and Rachel doesn't really eat bread. And, and then she, I'll eat the whole loaf. The whole thing. I mean, I'll just pick it up like a hoagie. And she's like, would you stop it? This is a nice restaurant. I'm like, girl, this is some good bread. And, she, and, and she, she tells me every time, she goes, don't fill up on the bread. Because if you fill up on the bread, you ain't going to have room for nothing else. Maybe somebody in the church needs to hear that today. That if you would fill up on bread this year, there wouldn't be room for all the silliness. There wouldn't be room for all the drama. There wouldn't be room for all the confusion. There wouldn't be room for all the sin if we just, got, if we just filled up on some bread. So, can, can, can Pastor Eugene, can I just call everybody while we, while we fast? Can we add bread to our fast? He, the New Year's all about diets. I'm, I'm proposing a 21-day bread diet. For the next 21 days while you're not eating food, eat all the bread that you want. Now, I'm not talking about Evangeline made. I'm talking about the bread of life. I'm talking about opening your Bible at every meal where you would usually consume carbohydrates, that you consume Christ himself. He says, I am the bread of life. So for the next 21 days, I know you normally eat your bacon and eggs in the morning. Get up and have some bread. You know what you can eat for lunch tomorrow? Bread. And guess what's on the menu tomorrow night? Bread. I'm telling you, at every meal where you would normally eat, open your Bible for 10 minutes and read about the bread of life. Okay? We can all do it. It's very practical. It's carb-free, gluten-free. Read your word with every meal. And y'all, there's some great Bible reading apps. Uh, I use YouVersion. Uh, Y'all remember Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim Delina just printed the 260 day journey. It's amazing. We're doing it with our kids. You can find, you can find tools everywhere to read. Your, just, you need a daily reading, reading plan, okay? Number three, I'm going on. Vic, help me out. Vic, help me out. I got to close. Number three, we need a lamp. Every good interior decorator will tell you that lighting is the key to setting the mood. Y'all want to know how that's true? Hey, turn off the lights for a second. Can we turn them off? This is, turn them back on. Do I look better in, with the lights on or with them off? I'm just kidding. Lighting is the key. When putting together her design, the Shunammite woman said, we need a lamp. 
That lamp, the word lamp in the Hebrew, we get the word menorah from it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a candlestick. It's a candelabra. The lampstand of the menorah all throughout Scripture always stands for the illuminating presence of the Holy Spirit. Your room is not complete this year unless you make room for the Holy Spirit. Our church is not complete unless we make room for the Holy Spirit. Our marriages are not complete unless we make room for the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, y'all. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 2021. We need God to show up. We need the fire of God in our hearts. We need to learn how to host the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not kooky. It's not weird. In Genesis chapter 8, it's the story of Noah and the ark. The ark set sea for, for months. And the way that Noah was going to determine whether the ark could find land was he was going to let out a dove. How many remember this in, in scripture? He let out a dove. And if the dove wouldn't come back, that means the dove found land. How many know that in scripture, a dove is always a representation of the Holy Spirit? So if you get to Genesis chapter 8, Noah releases the dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the, and the dove could not find a place to rest. But he thinks to himself, well, you know what? That Noah was such a good host. Maybe I'll go back to him. And that's exactly what he does. He goes back to his window. He goes back to his boat. And he returns to Noah. And in Genesis chapter 8, it says, then he put forth his hand, speaking of Noah, and took her, speaking of the dove, the Holy Spirit, and pulled her back into the ark. I think the Holy Spirit is just simply looking for a group of people that's going to host them, that's going to open up the windows of their heart and say, you can take up residence in here. No matter how much it hurts, because sometimes the Holy Spirit, yes, he does bless you, but he'll also blister you. When's the last time we just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives? When's the last time we just grieved over sin? Just grieved over the state of our community? We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the Holy Spirit. And finally, he says, she says, let's put a bed in there. A bed signifies a resting place and a place of intimacy. Today is a resting place and a place of intimacy. That's why we celebrate the Sabbath. God has set up an institution that he designed for rest and intimacy. It's called the ecclesia, the church, the body of Christ. And no, it's never about a building, y'all. It's not about a building, but it is about a gathering. It's about us coming together. Listen, this world is trying to get us to come together for different sides, different allegiances. It's time for the body of Christ to come together. We need each other. We need the presence of God. We need the fire of God. We need the lamp of the Holy Spirit. We need the table of the Lord. We need the chair. We need the authority of God. But we got to do this together. We got to come together. It's time for us to come together. It's time to lay down our, our, our differences and come together, united under one banner, the banner of Jesus Christ. Because we're sitting not under uh, uh, the who's in the White House. We're sitting under the who's on the throne. Hebrews chapter 10, Paul says, let us not neglect our meeting together. 
ecclesia, as some are in the habit of doing. But let's encourage one another. Come on, does anybody need encouragement today? You get encouragement when you come to the house of God. Why? Because when you come here, you find intimacy and rest with other people. You can't do life without intimacy and rest. I, I'll wear a, a Fitbit on my, on, my, on my hand. And one of the things that it does is at night, it tracks my sleep. It gives me sleep scores, how well I sleep. If the dog's in the bed with us, I get about a 62. If Rachel's got cold feet that night, I get about a 58. But every once in a while, y'all, I get, I get like a 90. I'm just out. And what I realized is when my score's bad, the next day is bad. But when I get the rest that I need, something happens. What am I saying? You want to find your rhythm this year? Don't buy into the lie. Listen to me. The church is essential. The body of Christ is essential. The, I, I understand that we have a building and we're going to take all the health precautions. I get that. We don't want to put anybody in jeopardy. But the body, we need each other. We need each other. Listen to me. For the next 21 days, I'm challenging you. Eat all the bread you want and then be here. Be here for the morning services. Be here for the times of prayer. Be here for the nights of worship. When you get the text saying, here's where we're going to meet to do the prayer, be there. It is important that we stay connected with the body of Christ. Amen? All right. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I, I, I know I've, I've taken some liberties this morning. But I don't want God to pass us by. I, I don't want to miss out on what he has for us. I don't want to just get a glimpse. I, I want to be like Noah. And I want to have our window open and say, Holy Spirit, come on in. God, come on in. We've prepared a place for you. And so as I close, let me ask you this question. Have you made room for God? Have you prepared room for him? Does he sit on your throne? Spurgeon said there's only three things that can sit on the throne of your heart. It's either yourself, your sin, or your Savior. Have we placed the Savior on the throne of our heart? With every head bowed and every eye closed, is the question I want to ask you this morning. Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? As he, is he sitting in the first chair in your life? Is he in charge? Does he have all authority? Are you submitted to him? There's two things that he wants to become for every single one of us. It's Lord and Savior. Savior means that he saves us from hell, but Lord means he saves us on earth. Today with nobody looking but me, the way this happens is through an act called repentance. It means turning. Every person in this place, we have one thing in common. We've all fallen short. But in a simple act of repenting, we ask Jesus to come. We just admit that we're a sinner, that we're fallen. We fell short. B, we believe that he alone, Christ alone, became the sin bearer for us and our sins. And he took our sin and our inadequacies and our shame and our guilt and he died for it. See, we just confess them. And if that's you today and you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, if he's not sitting in the first seat, just as a sign of surrender to him, would you just lift up your hand? Nobody's looking at me. I want to pray with you right where you are. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, thank you. In the balcony, thank you. Yes, yes. Very good. Church, this morning we're, we're going to pray with, with many hands that are raised. 
We're just going to ask Jesus to come in and to take up residence in the first seat. Can we pray this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I will not have to go. And you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God, sit on the throne of my heart. You are the King. You are the Lord. You're in charge. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.